This is the Action Network Podcast. All the work, all the talk, all the handicapping is done. It's time for history. They're all in line. We're ready for the start. They're off in the Kentucky Derby. Break another two lengths more. Back to win, win, win on the turn. Beginning to pick up stride near the back of the pack. As the field turns for home. And he bursts through an opening on the inside. Stride for stride. As they come to the final furlong. Keep battling on. One, two, down to the line. An impossible result here. Wins the Kentucky Derby. Welcome into the Action Network podcast presented by the FanDuel Sportsbook. I'm your host, Brendan Glasheen. Welcome into our Kentucky Derby preview, the 149th renewal of the greatest two minutes in sports. It runs on Saturday, May 6th. So we've got Mike Conti from Action Network joining us. He's one of our contributors, always at actionnetwork.com on the app, writes up uh, on horse racing. And Mike Somich from Racing Dudes, racingdudes.com. Find his content there. Also find him uh, over on the socials. Does a great job covering horse racing. The Derby is this Saturday, gents. I've had the pleasure of working with both of you previously. I think we did the Belmont Stakes. Go right down the list. We've done plenty of horse racing content here at Action. Fun time of year. Spring is here. Folks are starting to really feel it with the playoff stuff going on. The Derby works its way in. So we're going to break down the Derby, assess how... Both of you bet the Derby, how you particular approaches to betting. I know there's a variety of ways you can do that. We'll also dive into the Oaks, uh, how you pick those, how you might find value. And then we'll look into Friday and Saturday undercard bets in the final few minutes. Mike Conti, we'll start with you. You take a look at the card for the Derby, Kentucky Derby. What's coming to mind from a betting standpoint? Uh, this is an interesting derby. Excited to be here, first of all. It's always a great time of year. Smack dab, like you said, right? We've got NBA playoffs. We've got NHL playoffs. We just had the draft. But the most important thing this week is horses. We've got the Oaks on Friday, the Derby Saturday. Uh, you know, this this year, it's interesting. We've got a favorite in Forte who very much is a deserving favorite. And I'd be remiss to not say that uh, somebody, this guy over here, had him in the Breeders' Cup going up against another Bafford horse in Cave Rock that time. I think Mike took the other Bafford in Cave Rock. I went Forte. That being said, right, Forte is a, a Unbelievable. slight morning line favorite. <laughs> <laughs> a, a slight morning line favorite. Listen, he hasn't done anything wrong. He's been very professional um, it, it's just a matter of he's regressed in terms of his speed figures uh, this year. Now, he looked dead to rights in the Florida Derby. He needed every ounce of that race to get by late. But again, can you knock a horse who just continues to win? I don't know, right? Do I love three to one in what I see as a pretty wide open field? Probably not. Uh, next, in terms of odds, you've got number five, tap at Trice at five to one. Then you've got Angel of Empire, number 14, at 8 to 1. You've got Derma Sotakake at 10 to 1. And then uh, you've got 
uh, practical move, excuse me, also at 10 to one in the 10 post. So you've got, and then after that, right, the odds continue to get longer and longer. We've got a wide open derby this year. I'm really excited. There's a lot of conversations and I'm, and I'm sure that Mike Samich is going to talk about this uh, with the pace, but there's a lot of conversation going on around what's the pace setup going to be in this race. Where are some of these horses going to be this? I've heard a lot of other people talk about it. This truly is going to be a rider's race. I'm really excited for this edition of the Derby. There's so many ways to bet this. We're going to get into it, but Mike, I'll turn it over to you to hear some initial thoughts. Yeah, first off, its undercard is phenomenal. Uh, Churchill Downs is a wonderful draw, drawing very good fields. We're not going to have too many wildly heavy favorites throughout the two days on both Oaks Day and Derby Day. So, so the undercard betting, I think, is a, a massive plus for you if you are looking at playing these races. On the Derby specifically, I think Conti nailed it. This pace is one of the murkiest we have seen in a very, very long time. If you go to four or five different pace projectors, they will all tell you a different horse is going to be in the league going into that first turn. And the draw was fairly interesting as well. You have a lot of the speed drawn toward the inside. So the the two horse is supposed to go. The four horse is supposed to go. The six horse is supposed to go. The seven horse is supposed to go. And you don't really have that much speed outside. Derma Sotagate in the 17 post is the possible exception to that for a horse that could go. And, and one that I've seen projected to be your early pace. The other interesting part of that is I didn't mention any of the favorites. As Mike said, your favorite forte comes from off the pace. Tapa Trice, your second choice, has a braking problem and comes from off the pace. Uh, your third choice in heel, Angel of Empire, projected to be one of the last horses the first time under the wire in a lot of different places. So you've got a situation where the pace isn't very clear and you've got the three favorites all probably coming from off it. And eight of the last 10 derbies have been run by a horse that is forwardly placed. And I'm going to even say nine of the last 10. We can just throw out the rich strike gear last year because that was the fastest opening half mile in derby history. We're not seeing that again. So it, it really creates a, an interesting conundrum for the handicapper for what do you do with this pace? Do you think anyone can hang on? Because most of those pace horses, I think, also have a, a distance issue. So that kind of <laughs> creates another complexity level here of, of how you end up picking a horse in this spot. Mike was right as well. Look, Forte hasn't done anything wrong. And the Florida Derby numbers have definitely de definitely was a regression when you look at a buyer perspective. But when you go back and you analyze the race, he was four wide on the first turn, didn't get a chance to run until about the eighth pole down the lane, was three wide around the second turn. The ground that he covered made that a better time form number than it did a buyer speed number. So the time form number, you didn't see that same regression on the Forte side. And what was a really oddly run race when you go back and watch that Florida Derby. Six wins and seven starts for Forte, the favorite. Five wins in a row, four grade one wins. Reading from our friend Evan Abrams, director of research uh, and media at Action Network, does a great job. You can find his write-up on the Derby at actionnetwork.com in the app. He also notes just favorites at the Derby. They've won 56 of the 148. That's about a 38% clip in its history uh, six straight favorites, one from 13 to 18. Justify was the last favorite to win in 2018. So of the other contenders, we'll go to we'll go to Samich first on this. Of the contenders, then we'll go to Conti, of course. When you're looking at the top of the board in terms of favorites and win contenders, how do you plan on betting this year's Derby? 
Well, it's it, it's an interesting rendition for it. Look, I respect the heck out of Forte, so I'm not going to leave Forte off my multi-race bets. I, I don't think he's a complete chuck from that perspective, especially when you're playing pick fours and pick fives. He's a horse that I think you have to include. I, I'm going to be very hesitant to bet him to win at three to one. If he floats up and you're seeing seven to two, four to one, I become a little bit more interested in betting Forte to win. And it's interesting because there's a lot of hate right now for Forte for a horse that hasn't lost this year. It's your two-year-old champion. A lot of people trying to poke holes in him, and it, there's just not that much you can poke holes in uh, if you look at that second part and this is where i'm going to start veering away from from i think where a lot of the popular opinion is to me tap it trice in the five plus is a complete chuck uh, so i'm not going to use him in my multi-race bets i'm not going to bet him to win i mentioned uh during the last little little diatribe i had that he doesn't break he is literally oh for breaking in his life if you go back and watch all of his races he always starts a step slow and that five post is essentially the one in my mind because the one, two, three, and four all have significantly more early pace for him. That means I think Tappet Trice could be 20th going under the wire the first time in the Kentucky Derby. And that is a recipe for disaster for him. So for me, I'm going to try and avoid him. Angel of Empire, I'm a lot more interested in simply because his last two races, he won in two varying styles. Was able to win with a complete pace collapse. And then in the Arkansas Derby, everybody got a good trip. The pace wasn't that fast. No horse was really deterred from what they wanted to do. And Angel of Empire absolutely destroyed him. Ended up winning by four lengths. Probably could have won by more had he wanted to. Has been improving nicely. So I, I think Angel of Empire is one of those horses where if somehow he can show a little bit more speed, he is definitely a horse that I would I would use in the multi-race tickets and in contention. Yeah, I mean, I, there's some that I totally agree with. Tossing tap at Trice, nothing wrong with Forte. Uh, also happen to really like Angel of Empire, who I think can make a big middle move, right? So depending upon where he is, agreed, that's another big piece of it. Um, the other two horses that you didn't mention that I am very interested in that are at different odds, uh, you've got Dermis Otakake. We've talked about this horse, right? The Japanese horse. There's been a lot to do with Japanese horses internet and international racing over the last year. And people saying that, you know, they're ready to pop in terms of taking over the sport in some ways due to breeding and training and some different techniques that they use. This horse is really interesting to me. I thought that that UAE Derby win was a really nice win. And to your point right before Mike, forwardly placed Brendan just shared about, you know, uh, some forwardly placed horses and where horses are at first call. He's definitely going to be more forwardly placed. So at 10 to one, very interesting to me. The other one is practical move. And I'll be honest, originally, I didn't think I liked practical move. And then I went back and I watched that Santa Anita Derby. And I actually watched it from three different angles. I watched it from the normal angle. I watched it from the head on. And then they had drone footage on that Santa Anita Derby, um, thanks to FanDuel TV. And that drone footage is actually what made me like practical move in the Derby and a horse that I am definitely including in all of my bets because people were making a big, uh, you know, much to do about Skinner um, and, and about um, Mandarin Hero, who seemed to be getting to and gaining on practical move in that Santa Anita Derby. But if you watch the gallop out, Neither of them ever went by. Skinner had had practical move dead to rights. Mandarin Hero, yeah, he was stuck down on the inside for a long time. Even after he got out, which he did, not in enough time to go by, you know, by the wire. But you would have assumed that he would have been able to go by after the wire and the gallop out. And they weren't able to. So again, another horse that I think has tactical speed that's going to be more forwardly placed 
in, again, a fairly paceless race or a weird pace setup that no one really knows exactly what's going to happen. So another horse at a decent price at 10 to 1 that I'm definitely uh, going to include as well. The the only other horse that I would say that, you know, is is interesting to me, I don't know as though that I'm going to use the horse from a win perspective or even, um, you know, in my multi-race wagers. I, I haven't quite figured him out. But two fills just never runs a bad race. I don't know if the horse is good enough to win this race. I don't think so. But you want to talk about a horse, and we'll get there later, to use underneath and exotics uh, in vertical wagers in the derby. Two fills might be a horse that I key in certain spots because I think the horse is going to be there late. So, again, it's a really exciting rendition of the derby. We don't have some overwhelming favorite. Again, I agree with Mike. If Forte floats up 7-2, to 4-1, to one, he's definitely worth a win bet at that price. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned two fills there. That was one of the horses going into the draw. I was very interested in two fills draws the three hit show draws the one. He was the other horse I was interested in. Both possess tactical speed. Both, I thought, have the ability to get the distance. And with two fills, I mean, that last race was absolutely phenomenal at Turfway Park. We've seen that Turfway Park form be excellent at Keeneland in the last meet. Already transitioned over and you've seen a couple of prices get home in the couple of days we've had Churchill racing so far. So you can't really just say, oh, it was synthetic. I'm going to throw it out. He also attended a hot pace and still held on when Angel of Empire won. I thought that was a good race. Ran second to Instant Coffee, who, oh, by the way, was one of the betting favorites when that happened as well. So probably a pretty good race there. So I don't dislike the two fills take. I agree with you on Dermasotagate. I mean, the horse draws the 17. UAE has never won. UAE Derby winners never won the Derby. Japan horse has never won the Derby. But you almost feel like you have to include them on the ticket. I was talking to some friends earlier today, and it's it's what of the horses that can make their own trip, that can sit close, also want the distance, and are good enough to win. He's the only one that really fits all of those. And so it, the question is, to me, I, I feel like there will be a Japanese winner of this race. It is now an it, it is a when, not an if. And so because of that, I'm willing to take a price around 10 to 1. He's the one horse I'm really interested to see what the odds are because we've seen a ton of Japanese money come in in these international races because of how well they've done in the Breeders' Cup, how well they've done in Dubai, how well they've done in Saudi Arabia. And so if he ends up dropping down, I'm probably not interested. But if we stay in that 10 to 12 to 1 range, I I think it's worth a little bit of a bet. On the practical move front, this is where we're going to diverge a little bit. Uh, Sire's practical joke. Not a great distance, Sire. Generally, doesn't want to go two turns. At some point, though, you have to look at the races and not the Sire. But my biggest issue with Practical Move is he tripped out incredibly well in both of those two two turn races so far this year. He was able to save ground on the rail on both turns. He got an inside run in the Santa Anita Derby. He had an absolutely perfect trip in the race prior to that. I'm concerned about a mile and a quarter if he doesn't get a perfect trip. Could he get a perfect trip? Sure, it's possible, but he needs a perfect trip. And in a 20-horse field, to me, it's hard to rely on a horse that needs a perfect trip to be able to win the race. Okay, a lot to unpack there, but those are guys at the top, as the guys have mentioned here, hovering in that 10 to 12 to 1 range. Uh, Two fills in particular, practical move is also at 10 to 1, looking at FanDuel right now. So, and and something else that I've noticed too, just taking a look here, uh, Trends of picking winners. Last handful of Kentucky Derbies. Uh, favorites have come in that second to fourth range. Last few years, their average finish position has actually gotten better since the ins- insertion of the Derby years ago. Um, also, and this is where I think the long shot discussion can begin. 
how you finish in that final 38 seconds of the race and who could be some of those horses that you're looking down at, at, with bigger odds, uh, Mike Conti, when you're looking down the list there, guys that you feel good about that can be in, in the con- in contention, in the run there in that final sprint when you're biting your nails and doing God knows what when you're watching this thing on a big TV on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, we talked a little bit about two fills, right? Definitely a horse to include underneath as a long shot uh, at 12 to one. He's number three. Uh, another one, Listen, it's a massive price. I don't think we're getting this price on Derby Day. I- I'm scratching my head a little bit. I don't understand it. Number seven, reincarnate. Listen, I- he just, there's no way that this horse should be 50 to one. You know, talk about trips. I mean, he's he's run up against some tough trips. He, he also got some decent trips or some trips that I, I think you can't really make an excuse for him, but 50 to one is crazy on this horse, you know? So I think definitely a long shot to think about and, and, you know, possibly use hit show the number one horse, another horse 30 to one. I, I mean, listen, the horse lost to Lord miles, right. In the wood, but in fairness, hit show was in between horses late. I'm never a fan of when my horse that I'm betting on is in between horses late. He doesn't get, as free of a run, right? He had Lord Miles just hugging his hip uh, the last eighth of the mile in the wood. If he works out again, we talked about trips a lot. If he works out the right trip at a big price, 30 to one, another horse that I have to use underneath. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned Hit Show. I mean, I like I said, I was really interested in this horse before the draw. Draw is a dreaded one post, but that doesn't mean the horse can't hit the board still. It, it, it kind of takes out of the win contention for me. But that would draw 13 posts. So 13 of 13 horses got spun five wide on the first turn. Literally looked like a carnival ride down the stretch. They were playing bumper cars with this horse, just bouncing off both the inside outside horse actually makes the lead, gets bumped pretty hard by both of them. And then falls back a little bit, ends up running second to Lord Miles. The one horse on the rail was the one that caused the issue to begin with. That's why there was no change in the race. And Lord Miles stayed up. If they all just run straight, Hit Show wins that race, and you're not staring at 30 to 1 right now. So I, I like the take there from Mike on that one. Kind of buried the lead here. I'm going to pick a horse on top that's 15 to 1. Uh, I'm going to go to the eight horse mage on top. And this is a horse where I, I mentioned Tappet Trice has breaking issues. <laughs> so does Mage. <laughs> the last two races have been absolutely brutal. It, we've talked a little lot about the Florida Derby. And I, I, that to me is one of those races that's just wildly interesting because when you watch the race, it is very different than what you see on paper. All of the contenders were on the outside. We saw a, a terrible break from Mage. He ended up in last when he was projected to be either first or second or early. Ends up in last, has to go four wide on the first turn, makes this early move, goes five wide on the second turn, does a great job to pin Forte in, gets the jump on Forte, and then just not able to hold off Forte once Forte gets loose in that final 16th of a mile. The trip before that doesn't break well, rushes up, four wide first turn, gets steadied in the stretch, but still decides to keep running and try and come on for third. Those are his only two turn races. The talent is there. Breaking is a massive problem. If this horse gets out of the gate, though, and breaks well and is sitting top five, top six, he should be five to one in this race, not 15. And to me, that's where I'm I'm willing to take a little bit more of a shot in a race that I think is exceptionally difficult. Probably not a derby. I'm going to be back in the Brinks truck up to bet here. But I want to try and find prices if I do. And to me, major at 15 to one makes a lot of sense there. Okay, so there are some long shots. My question now, guys, is if someone's new to betting the derby, it's still trying to figure out uh, how to go about doing this the right way or do it smartly. 
How do you juggle the contenders you're interested in and your long shots? And then do you just kind of leave it at that? Or what else goes into the formula of trying to figure out ways to bet outrights, Mike Conti? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question, right? So I think obviously there's a ton of ways that you can bet horses. Let's talk really simply, right? We'll talk two, maybe three different types of bets to keep it really simple. You've got your win bet or your win play show, right? Which is called across the board. That's a bet, right? Again, if Forte floats up to four to one, that's something you take Forte as a win bet, right? Now, one of these kind of mid-range horses that we've talked about, Angel of Empire at eight to one, Dermis Otakake at 10 to one, Practical Move at 10 to one, right? Those are horses that you could very much consider betting across the board, otherwise known as win, place, and show, right? Then you get into the vertical wagers. So your exact as your trifectas, there's a ton of different ways that you can play those bets. What I would say, you know, and the way that I talk to my friends that bet a handful of times a year on, on horse racing is, Find the horse that you like the most, right? And put that horse in each position. So put that horse just in first and then pick a number of horses in second. Put that horse in second and put a number of horses in first in an exacta bet, right? It's considered a key. So you're keying in on the horse that you like the most. And for me, I'll be keying in on Dermasotagake with a number of the horses that we mentioned earlier, Angel of Empire, Forte, practical move, two fills, hit show, you know, are some of the horses that I'll be keying. So I think those are some ways that I'm thinking about betting this race. And, and for, you know, the, the less experienced bettors or the folks that are just joining us here for the Derby, some fun ways to have action without having a ton of exposure. I love the the advice there. I, I like the idea of playing a couple win bets. If you like horses that are a little bit bigger prices, if you want to sprinkle Kings Barnes in there at 12 to one, if you want to look at, you know, Mage at 15 to one, playing a couple bucks to win, always a good way to do it. The one thing I want to mention about the Derby, if you want to play a lottery ticket, the $1 Superfecta is the literal best bet in racing from a payout perspective over the last 10 to 15 years. You don't have to spend a bunch of money. I always play a couple each year. I don't go crazy with it. I was fortunate enough to cash almost 10000 on a $24 ticket a couple of years back. My general style is to take a few long shots and put them in the first place position and then play essentially three, four or five horses in second, third and fourth and try and sprinkle in some prices in there. And for me, this is a great year to do it. The year I hit it was the year that Essential Quality ran third. It's Medina Spirit that one was 12 to one, Mandaloon 33 to one in second. I think you can make a pretty good comp to Essential Quality from Forte here. If you look at both two-year-old champions, both won two races, both want to come from off the pace, both didn't really jump forward like you were hoping in the three-year-old season, but both were probably the best horse in the race but most likely he's going to have traffic trouble. To me, Forte fits that to an absolute T here when you're comparing him to essential quality. So that's a great horse to have in that second, third, and fourth spot and take some swings up top. Put Angel of Empire on top of a super. Put Mage on top of a super. You know, Try Dermasotagate on top of a super. If you play one horse in the first spot and four horses in the second, third, and fourth spot, it costs you 24 bucks for a dollar, and your returns can be massive in this race. Okay, we've got picks coming up for the uh, Friday undercard, Saturday undercard. We, of course, need to discuss uh, the Kentucky Oaks, which goes down on Friday. We sort of got into this, and I thought it was excellent analysis. Again, for someone who might not be as familiar, the discussion about pace, I thought was very interesting and how you have to factor that in. Also, 
this isn't related to Friday, but there will be some rain, I think, mixed in, which is no surprise on, on Saturday. So something this it's all coming back to me now. We did this episode last year. There was rain we had to monitor last year as well. But uh, Mike, Mike Conti, when we look at uh, Kentucky Oaks, how are we assessing the, the pool of horses and how conditions and pace factor into this? It's interesting for me, conditions don't matter. Um, I'm not, it's not anything crazy that I'm going to take here, but conditions won't matter because of how this girl has fared over any track. In terms of pace though, right, to your point, I think in my opinion, and I'd be interested to hear Mike's thoughts on this, I think it is a little bit more clear or frankly, much more clear on the pace in the Oaks, right? I think number 10, Flying Connection, as well as number six, Botanical, are most likely going to be the two that are on the lead or out front. I think those are clearly two of the horses that want the lead or will be close to it, if not on it. Um, and listen, I think where I landed in this race, again, not not a brainiac pick here, but number seven, wet paint. I mean, she just hasn't done anything wrong. Um, she's floated over a sloppy racetrack multiple times at Oaklawn. Uh, she's won over a fast racetrack. And I think what's most interesting to me is she's closed. She's a closer, right? So she's definitely going to have to work out a trip, but she's closed into some really slow paces, frankly. And then she's also closed into some faster paces. So I don't, I'm not as worried about the pace setup for her, not as big of a field in the Derby. I'm very confident in her and I'm really excited by the prospects of her. So uh, that's where I'm going to land in this race. I don't know, Mike, what your thoughts are. Good pick. I agree with you. I, look, wet paint is just, she's rolling right now. I, I mean, she's been phenomenal in her last couple races. You mentioned it closed into a 113.6 furlongs, two back, closed into a little bit quicker pace last time, is one over the sloppy track, one over a fast track last time out. And I think there's a lot of pace signed up here. I mean, you mentioned the 10 flying connection um, and the uh, the six botanical, who I think we should probably get into a little bit here. But the 12th Dorth Vader is a very fast horse, went 45 flat in the Devona Dale, was only a half length off that half uh, half mile pace. The 14 pretty mischievous, adding blinkers, drawing the outside to me is a 100% going to try and go at least somewhat early. And so all of a sudden you have four horses up there tussling for the lead. That sets it up phenomenally for wet paint to be able to come from off it and be able to make that move. We saw Secret Oath win this race last year. She made this sweeping wide move around the turn and absolutely buried the field. I wouldn't be surprised if it's almost a carbon copy of that for wet paint this year. And it sets up a nice situation where they have something called the Oaks Derby Double. And we talked about prices in the Derby. Well, you can single wet paint here and then play four or five of them in the Derby and get a better price than what the win mutual will be. So it's a great way to kind of play the two races and and give yourself a little bit more outs going into Saturday. If you're already sitting there in in pocket with a a double ticket that you have will pays that are known for. So it gives you essentially a win bet on three, four, five different horses, depending on how many you'd like to play going into the Derby. Wet paint. It was a sloppy main track at Horseshoe, Indianapolis, and it did not matter. Uh, She was victorious. Victorious. So some great names, by the way, the horses here in uh in the uh for Kentucky Oaks, without question. Um, so wet paint at five to two is what I'm seeing uh, as of right now for the Oaks uh on Friday. All right, good stuff. Let's move on here. So we'll we'll just best bets here, guys. Uh we'll go Conti and uh Samage, uh Samage back and forth. We'll go Friday first, best bets for Oaks, and then best bets for Kentucky Derby. Mike Conti, start us off. Yeah. So listen, I think best bet 
This is not anything, again, no no brainiac pick here. I think in terms of if you're thinking about playing a multi-race wager, right? So if you're thinking about the pick five that ends in the Kentucky Oaks, we talked about wet paint probably being a single in there. There's another horse in this sequence of races that I also think is a single. In race eight, it's a non-graded stakes race. It's Caravel. This horse... I'm not quite sure why this horse is entered in here. I mean, this horse has faced far better competition and and won, I would argue, easily against far better competition. Uh, four to five, you're not getting much of a price, but it is a horse, I think, that becomes another single and, and allows you to go deeper in some other spots. Uh, the race before that, race seven, the eight bells, I landed on number three, Olivia Twist at 12 to one. Listen, you draw two lines through the two sloppy races that she ran. Also, we were just singing the praises of wet paint. In her last three starts, she lost to wet paint. So if you think wet paint is that good, I would move Olivia Twist forward because of that. I think there's enough pace signed on in this race. So at 12 to one, a horse that I will definitely be using Mike also before mentioned last year's uh, Kentucky Oaks winner who's running in race nine on the undercard of the Oaks, Secret Oath, who I love her big middle move. She's got a great turn of foot with that middle move. The interesting horse in that race to me is number two, Search Results. Been off for a little bit of time, getting four to one on her. When you go back and you look at who she's lost to, the majority of her losses are to some amazing Phillies and mares, right? I mean, Malathat. Malathat was an absolute beast of a horse. So I think that there's no reason not to include. And then I really like, and I liked her in her last start at uh, Keeneland in race 10, the Edgewood Stakes. I really like number nine, uh, Papaleo at seven to two. In that last start at Keeneland, I believe she was 12 to one morning line, got bet way down. She was super green in the stretch. There are people that probably were calling for her to get disqualified. I was sitting here with my fingers crossed, hoping the stewards were going to say no dis, uh, no change in anything, which they did. Listen, if she can straighten things out in the stretch, I think that she could win this race for fun. So some different ways to play. You know, Those are some horses that I like in the late pick five sequence. Some prices, some not so big prices, but still a fun way you know, to play that sequence of races. Mike, what do you got? Yeah, I, I'm from an Oaks perspective bet. I'm probably going to play a pretty big straight exacta. I mean, we talked quite a bit about wet paint. I like uh, the four horse in this spot uh, to run second there. And that is uh, South Lawn for Norm Cassie. It looked awesome in the fairground Oaks. I thought that was one of the better re- races we've seen. Beat Pretty Mischievous and the Alleys look who are both in this spot. South Lawn, another horse that can run into pace and should get a beautiful setup, should actually be more forwardly placed than wet paint. My guess is South Lawn gets the lead down the stretch and wet paint has to run her down. I think she does it. Right now it's five to two over eight to one. My guess is you're getting somewhere around 12, 13 to one on race day because I expect wet paint to be bet down a little bit. So I think that's a great way to attack the Oaks as well as playing the Oaks Derby double like we mentioned prior to this. That late pick five, could be very chalky. <laughs> You've got the nine horse money's gold, who I think is probably going to be the shortest price on the entire card. Um, who's opening up that sequence. I, I thought uh, Mike made a good case there for the three at 12 to one. The other thing that I, I want to say about that race as well, and specifically the three Olivia twist, a lot of times you see horses cutting back to one turn after trying to get on the Oak circuit or trying to get on the Derby circuit. And you see these very good one turn races. And then you see back to back to back mile and a 16th mile and a quarter type races. And that's exactly what it is with her. She, She's probably a better sprinter than she is going two turns. So she's back to doing what she is good at today. 
one price I like in this sequence that I, I feel like is a horse yet you, you kind of have to include if you're going to be playing the pick five. 10 to 1 on the 10 horse, flashy gem in the 10th race here. This is a, a Brad Cox horse. Louise Size is going to ride. We talked about that Turfway Park form transitioning very well over. Well, this is a horse that just ran twice at Turfway Park. It's a race that I don't see a massive amount of pace in. And Luis Saez is very good at forwardly placing horses. I have a feeling that Flashy Gem is going to be on the lead. And if Flashy Gem is able to get away with slower fractions, 10 to 1 is going to look like a steal when that horse is turning for home. Okay, good stuff. I like I like the exactas too and working those in there, guys. Good stuff. Let's move on to Saturday for the Derby. Um, if you guys, if you each of you have anything on, on pick five legs heading in or um, races five and seven, please uh, feel free to add. But uh, we're, we're looking for best bets here on the Action Network podcast before we wrap and get this out. So Mike Conti, we'll let you go first, then we'll go over to Samich. Yeah, so listen, I think there are two horses that I'm very interested in. One of the horses that I'm interested in is in a wide open race. Uh, race nine, the American turf. I really like number four, uh, Talk of the Nation. Uh, the horse is 10 to one on the morning line. Now, listen, this race, uh, from a multi-race sequence, you can make a case to hit all in this race, frankly. It's a really, really challenging race. Uh, but listen, Talk of the Nation hasn't done anything wrong. Uh, is a horse that's really interesting at a big price. Someone that I'll be including and probably be making a win bet on. Since they turned this horse uh, over to the turf course, we've seen a new horse, right? Two for two over the turf, beat another horse in this race, Mostache, uh, in his last start. So just, you know, I think a horse that's very interesting to me at a big price. The other best bet that I would say for me is in race 11, number five, up to the mark at four to one. Uh, you know, it's an Irad Ortiz ridden horse. I just think that this horse... Uh, really, frankly, a, a, a tough, tough time last time out. Not a bad trip, but there was no pace in that Maker's Mark Mile race. And the horse still was closing, never got there. Modern Games was the overwhelming favorite. And, you know, Modern Games couldn't get there because of how weak the pace was in that Maker's Mark Mile. I think there definitely is more pace signed on in this race at four to one. I don't think we're going to get four to one, but if we do... You know, talk about back in the Brinks truck up. Uh, this could be the spot for me to do that uh, as well. So I would say those are two of my best bets. I'll let Mike talk to his. I actually like the up to the mark pick quite a bit there. That was one that I started as a possible single in a very, very, very tough late pick five sequence here. Uh, one mother note on up to the mark. The horse that ran two back to up to the mark two races ago, Smoking T, is the one horse in the three race on Friday, six to one on the morning line. That's going to be a win bet for me. It's the one horse race three smoking tea on Friday is one who had his faced a lot better than what we are going to be facing and, and was in the 11 post and the 12 post, the previous two races. So huge post position upgrade facing much weaker. That's uh three or the one horse in the third race on Friday. As for this late pick five sequence, I, I, I think that we kind of agree on the spread races here. Um, I, I, Love the pick uh, of the four in that specific race, the ninth race. I thought there were two other long shots that I you had to take a look at and want to include in your pick five tickets. The five horse, Johannes, likely going to be a lone leader and likely loose on the lead. So that's one that I'm going to include at 15 to one. And the three Mendelssohn's March is a turf horse who's been running on the dirt. And we are back to the turf today. Uh, 12 to one on the three Mendelssohn's March. I think that's a horse you, you want to include in your tickets as well. I've got two best bets that I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to playing on Saturday. The first one, 
I'm going to go to race number four, and I'm going to go ahead and take a shot at your Breeders' Cup champion, Goodnight Olive. Uh, she's been very good. I think she's going to get wildly overbet in this spot. And I really like the five-horse Matureya, second off the layoff for Brad Cox here. This horse was as good as Goodnight Olive last year, took a big-time break. We saw her only one time on March 31st after August uh, 6th, 2022. Now we get second off the layoff, second out as a four-year-old. I think she's sitting on a very big race, and I think you get the right price to better today. So I'm going to play Matureya over Goodnight Olive there. And then in, in literally my arch nemesis, a race that I just can never get right, I'm going to go ahead and single as well. And that's going to be your eighth race on the card here. The Pat Day Mile, which essentially is the Boulevard of Broken Dreams for horses on the Triple Crown Trail. I'm going to go to the seven horse Fort Bragg. And the big reason is if you go back and you watch the Florida Derby, we talked about horses not breaking, how weird that race was. Fort Bragg broke out of the 10 post and broke so bad that ended up crossing in between the six and the seven to go get the lead and go run a 46 half, 110, six furlongs, never had a prayer to hold on in that race. We talked about horses I think are better one turn than two. Fort Bragg is a better one turn horse than two turn horse. You're getting nine to two. It's a salty race. I'm willing to take a shot there and see if I can be right there. So it allows me to spread more in, in a couple other races in that late pick five sequence. All right. Very good. Outside of like listening back to this and figuring out what to bet, I may need to go watch the Florida Derby because <laughs> the amount of Florida Derby drops on this podcast. Now I feel like I got to go watch some film. Um, and, and, and Conti, didn't you say there was like a, you said there was a drone camera that gave special angles for the, uh, that was, that was for the Santa Anita Derby. Okay. All right. Very good. <laughs> Gents, looking forward to it Friday, Oaks, Saturday, the Derby, and of course these undercard bets that they just uh, they just gave out all goes down at Churchill Downs on Saturday in Louisville. Mike Conti, Mike Sh- uh, Somich, excuse me, thanks for joining us. Mike, you can find his work over at Action Network, Mike Conti at Action Network, and Mike Somich, contributor to Racing Dudes, racingdudes.com. Gents, great stuff. Enjoyed it. And folks at home, thanks for listening to the Action Network podcast. We're presented by FanDuel. Enjoy the 149th renewal of the greatest two minutes in sports, Friday and Saturday. Enjoy it, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.